Amen. Turn with me this morning to the book of Jude in the New Testament. Jude. Praise the Lord. That's all the way in the back of your Bible, just before the book of Revelation. We've been going through the series, The Spirit of God in the Bible. We're looking at from Genesis to Revelation. And today, I believe we will conclude the going through the Bible, looking at the Spirit of God. I want to encourage you to go back to our website and to go through the Spirit of God series. It is so vital to our entire walk with the Lord. It is so in, 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 uh, necessary and needed for our daily living with Christ and in Christ. And so this morning we want to look at Jude, Epistle of Jude. And it says in verse number 1, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, by choice, he's become a bondservant, stuck like glue to Jesus. Amen. He's, you ever, you ever see what, no crazy glue? Crazy glue, you put something on it and it's stuck, right? And you see these advertisements on TV about these glues that stick to anything and you can't get, you can't get it loose, you know? And I bought some of that Mighty Putty and that stuff works. You know Mighty Putty? You get it, you put it on and you can lift thousands of pounds, it doesn't let go. Well, that's what Jude is saying and that's what Paul says throughout the Word of God. When it says that I'm a bond servant, it means I've become permanently attached to Jesus to be a servant to the King of Kings and the Lord of Glory. And nothing, nothing is going to separate us. Amen? And so he says, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Son of the Living God. Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah, the One who was sent by God, anointed with power from on high. It means the Holy Spirit of the Living God was upon all that He said and did. That he was anointed with power from on high to do what God had sent him to do. And brother of James, to those who are kept, who are the called. And when he says he's the brother of James, it's not certain. But all of the word of God points to and tradition points to that he was the brother of Jesus. James and and, uh, Jude. And so it says, to all who are called. How many of you know that you're called? God has called you by name to be his son and his daughter. God has called us out of this world of darkness, and he called us what? Into his what? His marvelous light. Not just into his light, into his marvelous. Don't forget, marvelous is an adjective. You know, in the English language, you have adjectives that bring, uh, that, you know, that expand on light. So it's not just light, it's marvelous light. So God has brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's called us, and we have responded. How many of you have come to Jesus? You've responded to the call of God. You responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the what? The good news of Jesus Christ. You've come to him, you've come to Calvary's cross, and said, yes, Lord, you are the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world, and in you is my righteousness in you is my salvation amen there's no other way the bible says there's no other name given to man under heaven by which we are to be saved but by the name of jesus and it says that who are the called beloved of god in the father 
believe beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Kept for Jesus Christ. God calls us, places us when we become born again, we are in Christ. But it says we are kept for Jesus. What does that mean, kept for Jesus? Aren't we in Christ already? Absolutely we are. You are in Christ when you are a new creation, but you're kept for Him. Because the Bible makes clear that we are the church, the body of believers is the bride. Hello? The bride of Christ. You're a bride. Whether you're a man or a woman, you are spiritually a bride. And you're being kept for that day. You know, the Bible tells us there's going to be a great wedding feast in heaven. And you're all called to the banqueting supper of the Lamb. Amen? And so we're being kept by the love of God and by the anointing of the Holy Spirit for Jesus Christ. Because we are in Him and live in Him and we will be with Him forever. And it says, may mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you, verse 3 of our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you, appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. What is he saying? He's saying that God's word came to us, came to us through Christ and through the apostles, through their teaching. And now he's telling us, he's reminding us again, just what Paul said, what all the apostles have been telling us from Christ on down. We must fight the good fight of faith. We must contend. We must be contenders. You know what it means to be a contender? It means you got to get into the ring. You know, when you have two fighters, one gets in the ring and he's all mean and nasty. You ever see, and even the wrestlers, you ever see, well, I used to watch way back worldwide, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. What a fiasco that is, huh? What a show that is. But one guy gets in the ring and he's all like, you know, they try to make themselves as, as mean and nasty and fearful as they can, right? To try and intimidate the opponent. Well, the Bible tells us that the devil goes about as a roaring lion. Rah, he's in the ring saying, come on in. Rah, and he's trying to intimidate you as a believer. He's trying to intimidate you. But Jude, Paul, Jesus, all those says, fight, be a contender, get in the ring, knowing that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You know that roaring lion? He got no teeth when he, when you really look at it. And so the Bible says, get in the ring, be a contender, fight the good fight of faith, because you are more than a conqueror. So God's word is a word of encouragement, a word of hope, a word that lets us know that we have Power, authority, not in our own strength, but because God has given it. So here he tells us, contend, get in the ring, because we can't escape it. It's not like we have a choice. How many of you know you're in the arena when you're born into this world? Hello? How many of you are born into this world? Feel yourself. You got flesh? You got blood? Are your eyes open? You're breathing? You're in the world. You're in the ring. You're in the arena. You're, you're, you're in the, you're in contention now. And one who is in the ring with us is coming against us to take away our faith. 
to try to get your relationship with Jesus to take it and toss it out of the ring. You know, you ever see some of those wrestlers, they get the guy and they, they try and throw him on the ropes and get him out of the ring and then the guy tries to crawl back in and he's kicking his head and, and whatever. God wants us to know that we must fight the good fight of faith and like Jesus said to Satan, Satan, get thee behind me. And we need to fight the good fight of faith because he says, he goes on, he goes on down in the other verses here, if you go and read it, he says that there are others who are in this world who would try to deceive you, who would do anything and what, whatever to try and rob you of your faith, of the reward that is awaiting you in heaven, of the joys that, you know, the Bible says that I will know the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen? Meaning God wants you to walk in His blessing. God wants you to have peace in your mind. You know, the Bible says, I've not come to give you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. But the enemy would try to come against that. But God said, the word of God is always encouraging us. Stand in your faith. Stand on the word of God. Stand in the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. What does it say in Ephesians? Stand therefore. Pray and stand therefore. Put on the whole armor of God and stand. Don't run away. Stand and face the enemy and speak the word of God over that. So it tells us to contend for the truth. What is truth? Just like Pilate asked Jesus. Jesus, what is truth? This is truth. The Word of God is truth. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And so we've got to fight for the truth. To hold on to the truth. To keep it in our hearts. David said, Thy word, O God, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So we have a choice every day that we live, that we choose to fight the good fight of faith, to hold on to the word of God, to help the Lord, to let the Lord help us to live it and to walk it. And he says, because there are many who would be around who are lovers of self, lovers of all kinds of things. And it even says in here in Jude and throughout the word of God, that there are those who infiltrate the body of Christ, who teach things about Christ that are totally wrong and errant from the word of God. And their lifestyle is a lifestyle of sin. And they come and they they make a mockery. The Bible says, you read Jude, it says they make a mockery of Christ. Christ and of the gospel because they're saying one thing and living another way and the Bible says how many of you know you can't live a sinful life and then come in church and say praise the Lord I mean you know I'm not saying we're perfect but I'm saying someone who chooses to live a lifestyle consistently day after day without desiring to be changed without wanting God to change them without wanting those things out of their life but they look forward to them they take pleasure in doing those things that are unrighteous in the presence of God go with me to verse number 14 verse number 14 and about these also Enoch, the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones. How many of you know the Lord is coming again? Huh? 
The word of God says one day the Lord of glory, Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords will come again. It's a sure word of prophecy that God will come again. This is the word of God to us that one day the sky will open like a scroll and there he will be, the Son of Man, the living God, coming on a cloud of glory with all his saints. And on his vesture shall be the word of God, faithful and true, and he will come in glory. This is God's word to us. It's in the word of God. And the Bible says it is a sure word of prophecy. And it says in verse number 15, what will he come to do when he comes back? The first time Christ came, he came as what? As the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. What did John the Baptist say when he saw Jesus? He said, behold the Lamb of God who taketh away. Thank God he took away my sin. Thank God he washed you clean through Calvary's cross. There is no other way. That your sins or mine could be washed, but by the blood of the Lamb, by the work that was done through Christ on Calvary's cross by Father God. But it says when Christ comes again, he will come with his saints in his glory, in all his glory, in verse number 15, to execute judgment upon all. You know, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Now that is true. Once a man dies, you don't get reincarnated and get another chance. You can't say, well, Lord, uh, send me back. I'll do it better next time. It doesn't work that way. Once a person dies, they're before the Lord. And they're either in Christ and cleansed or they're not in Christ. One or the other. There's no gray area in between, you know, where they cast votes in heaven and say, well, well, let's vote on it. Should he, did he earn? No, you're either in Christ or you're not in Christ. You're either with the Lord for eternity or you're separated from the Lord for eternity according to your own choosing. We choose Christ, don't we? So that if we were to go home today, we would know that we would be in the presence of the living God forevermore, never to be separated. But a day is coming when the Lord will come again with all his saints, the Bible says, And when he comes again, it's not going to be a day of mercy. This, we are living now in days of mercy, of grace. This is the time to choose Christ. And here it says to execute, verse 15, to execute judgment upon all. And to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed. Stay here. And of all their speeches, which ungodly. How many times is ungodly in this one verse? Ungodly, 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 ungodly. What does it mean? It means there's people that are living in this world that have no desire to live for God. No desire to acknowledge Him as holy God, righteous God. No desire to want to know Jesus. No desire to want to open God's Word and read it. No desire to come into a relationship with Jesus. But their desires is everything that is ungodly. Anything in God's Word that is sensual and carnal and and brings the pleasure to the self or to the body. These people are called ungodly. How many of you know you're not ungodly if you're in Christ? Are you in Christ? You're a son of God. You're a child of God. But there are those who live ungodly lifestyles in the world around us. I don't have to tell you that. You go into the world. You live. We live in the world, right? 
You see people all around you every day living ungodly lifestyles, right? But God says, the word of God says, be in the world, but not of the world, right? And so he says here in verse number 16, there are grumblers finding fault, following after their own lusts. They speak arrogantly, flattering people for the sake of gaining an advantage. How many of you know that's the world that we live in? Huh? I'm not talking about believers. I'm talking about those who do not have a relationship with God, who do not want a relationship with God. They do what they want for their own pleasures, right? But are we to be surprised then that the world around us is doing these things and seeking after these things? No surprise. Hello? No big deal. Because if you're not in Christ, who are you in? You're separate from Christ. You're following the ways of the deceiver and of that who is, who is luring you into these things that are traps, snares, things like quicksand that will bring you down and sink you and you will die in your sins. The Bible says you will die in your sins unless you recognize that Jesus is the Christ, the Lamb of God, and you come to him. Well, the Bible makes clear that the devils, the demons know that God is, that Jesus is, and they tremble, but they will not come to him. But thank God for those of us who've come to Jesus. Amen? Because he brings joy. The Bible says he's the joy of your salvation. When you come to Jesus, he puts joy in your heart, peace in your heart, knowing that you're at peace with Father God, that God is at work in you to see you home to heaven. That God will do all that he can in your journey on this earth with him. He will provide for you all that is needed and necessary to see to it that you get make it home. Where's home? Heaven. The kingdom of God. We're in the kingdom of God, but there's a new Jerusalem coming, the Bible says, where we will live with him forever. And look at verse number 17. So how do we keep ourselves from getting uh, infected? You know, how do we get, keep ourselves from getting uh, absorbed into the world around us? How do we keep ourselves from, uh, you know, from taking, sidestepping the narrow road and getting off on this? The Word of God tells us that's all taking place in the world around you. Don't be shocked or surprised. It's there. Wake up. Hello. Here it is. But we have a, a way that, that will... Uh, we have the help, the supply. We read that we preached on this one Sunday that God gives us the supply of heaven. All that is needed, all that heaven has comes to us through the working of the Holy Spirit, comes to us to enable us to live life in Christ, with Christ, and to be overcomers for Christ. Amen. So it says, but you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what are the words that were spoken beforehand? Hello? Look at your Bible. These are the words that were given to you and me, that were given to us. These are the words spoken by the apostles that God enable them to write down that God by the anointing of the Holy Spirit we've read that haven't we we've gone over that that no man spoke of his own of his own accord but every man wrote as the Holy Spirit gave utterance to them and they wrote it down so the word of God this is what we have as our guideline as our rock to stand upon and it says that they were saying to you in verse number 18 
that in the last times there shall be mockers following their own ungodly lust. Again, no surprise that we live in a world that mocks Christians, that mocks the faith, that mocks the word of God, that mocks uh, going to church. But the Bible says, but as for you, let them do what they do. And the Bible says, let the ungodly be ungodly still, but let the righteous be righteous still. Let those who are, that are ungodly, they will wax worse and they will, one will deceive another and they will all be deceived and they will all fall into the pit. Blind leading the blind, they will fall into the pit. But you, but you, he says, with, with joy, but you, but you believers, but you beloved, he says, but you, in verse number 17, beloved, ought to remember the words. And in verse number 17, uh, verse number 19, these are the ones who cause divisions, world-mindedliness, devoid of the Spirit. Devoid of the Spirit meaning what? They don't have the Holy Spirit of God. They don't want the Holy Spirit of God. They don't desire the Holy Spirit of God. Why? Because they do not desire the Word of God, Jesus. And if you do not desire Jesus, you don't, you surely don't want the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, will bring to remembrance everything that Jesus said. And so, you can't have the Holy Spirit and, and not have Jesus. You've got to have the Word of God. You've got to have Jesus in your life in order to have the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't come to you without Christ. And this world, you know, there's people that go to extremes. One wants only the Word and no Holy Spirit. And one wants only the Holy Spirit and no Word. And that's imbalances. That's not God's Word. We need the love of God in our life who reveals, which, what reveals to us the Word of God who is Christ. The Word of God then points us to being enabled and filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we need the love of God, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God to be all working in us together at one time. And it says, but you, beloved, but you. Isn't that a great word, but you? There's all those people out there doing all kinds of stuff, filled all that, but you. You're separated, but you. You're someone special. Say, I'm special. You can say that. That's not being proud. You are a child of God. You are beloved of the Lord God. Jesus Christ paid a dear price for you on Calvary's cross to make you his child, his son, his daughter, his friend. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. I want to give you from this verse on, I want to show you seven action things. You know what action things means? Action means you, you've got to you just can't be passive. You've got to do something. Action is doing something. How many of you know action means doing something, right? Action. Action. I want action. God wants action out of our lives. Jesus wants action. Faith is a verb. It's a do, you know, an action. So it says building yourselves up. How many of you know that if you go to work out in a gym, you can't just sit there and say, okay, I'm in the gym, so build my, my muscles will build build up just because I'm standing in the gym. Hello? What would you say to somebody that said that? You need some help. I'll pray for you. You know, 
You can't, you can't be built up just by coming to church and standing and sitting in church and doing nothing. That's not going to build you up. When you go to a gym, you got to figure out, okay, what do I want to build up? All right, I'll do these things for my arms, biceps, triceps, all kinds of seps, whatever they are, you know. Now, some things I know not of, you know. And so you, you're working, you're working in the gym, but you, you're taking action. You're doing something with a purpose to build your muscle up. If you want endurance, if you want to build your legs up, there's another exercise for your legs, right? And there's another exercise to, for your cardiovascular or whatever. So there's exercises that build you up. So God tells us that He's concerned, God is concerned, Yes, he concerns about our body, of course, but he's concerned, more importantly, about your spirit, the spirit that is in you that has been redeemed and purchased by God. And so God wants your spirit. He tells us that our spirit man, our spirit person, can be built up. It means that you can become stronger in your spirit man as you live each day that you walk with God. So how do we build ourselves up? What do we do? What, what is the thing that we do? Is there, is there a, a pill that we can buy that, and there it is. Oh, you know, like you ever watch Popeye, he eats the can of spinach and he goes like this and then bang, 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 everything pops up. No, it's we've got we've to daily be in the word of God. But here's he gives us reasons of what builds us up. Build yourselves up on your most holy faith. Your faith is holy. Faith is a holy thing, a righteous thing. Because faith comes from who? God. Faith doesn't come from man. I can't, I can't stand up here and say, all right, I'm going to dispense faith to you. I wish I could. I mean, I would give you all that I had. But that's not how faith comes. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. God is the issuer of faith. And if God is holy, then the faith that you have, say, I have faith. The faith that you have is a holy faith. Which means that you're believing in a holy God, and therefore you're saying that I've got to start making adjustments in my life by the help of God, with the power of God, and through the Word of God, that my holy faith will start making me holy. What does that mean, being made holy? Being made separate from the world. To walk in the ways of righteousness that God has shown us through His Word and through the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. And so he says, build yourself up in your most holy faith. What is number one? By praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, we've looked through the whole Word of God, almost, except going into Revelation, which we'll do shortly. But the Bible says, pray in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us elsewhere, what does the Holy Spirit come to do? He comes inside to give us the power to overcome sin in our lives, that we might become a changed and transformed people inwardly to live before a righteous and holy God. We can't do it on our own. That's why God gives us His Holy Spirit. But it's the Holy Spirit who, who helps us to pray. And the Bible elsewhere says that, that the Holy Spirit will help you pray when you know not how to pray. How many of you have come to that point where you, where you run out of words? You don't know what to say anymore. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit in you will come and help you to pray. And that's why we, we, you're able to pray in tongues too. Because the Holy Spirit prays in that heavenly language that we don't know of. And he brings help and strength to us. 
And so it says, pray in the Holy Spirit. And that's scriptural. That's the word of God. That's the word of God to us. Pray in the Holy Spirit. What For what purpose? To build you up spiritually. That's the purpose of it. It's not to make a show. It's not to show. It's to build yourself up in God, in your most holy faith. And then verse, as you pray in the Holy Ghost, in verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. Because if you keep yourselves in the love of God, then you're going to love your neighbor. Hello? If you're not keeping yourself in the love of God, if you don't know that God loves you, and because God loves you, the Bible says, love God with all your heart, soul, strength, everything that is in you. And second is to love your neighbor as yourself. What did Jesus say? This is how they will know. This is how ungodly people will know that you're his disciples, is that you what? Bite and tear each other? That you throw each other out of the ring? You shouldn't be in a ring with each other. No. The Bible says, this is, Jesus says, this is how they will know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. Even with some disagreements, you still need, we still need to love one another. That is the priority. Number one is love God with all that is in you. Number two is love your neighbor. If you do not love your neighbor, the Bible tells us very clearly, John, Peter, all through the word of God, that if you don't love your neighbor, how can you say you love God? This is the word of God. This is not me. If you, how you can say you love God if you don't love your neighbor? But if you say that you love God, God will give us the help and the strength that it takes to love our neighbor. How many of you know we need, we need help and strength to love our neighbors? We do. We do. All of us. No one is exempt. We all need that. And God joyfully provides it to us through the working of the Holy Spirit. And so he says, love God. Verse, uh, after that, he says, waiting anxiously. You know, and, and that's keeping yourself strong. Waiting, and that's having compassion too. And it says, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Hallelujah. He's coming again. Wait for it. Wait. You know, the Bible says, just like the ten virgins, half of them what? Their oil lamps were, they were, they had their oil lamps full. The other ones were saying, yeah, he ain't going to come back yet, right? And what happened? They were called the foolish ones. The ones that have their oil lamps filled were called, ah, the wise ones, the ones that were ready. The Lord is coming and it tells us, the Bible tells us to look, look up from whence comes your redemption. For your redemption draweth nigh. The Lord is coming at a time that we know not. But he is coming. The thing is, are we living today as though he was coming today? Are we waiting for, well, uh, someone said he's going to come two years from now, so I'll live my lifestyle a little bit this way, and when it gets closer to that, I'll live a little more holy. No. Live each day in building your relationship with Jesus, because today we might be in his presence He might come today. We might go home to be with him today. We don't know. And so the thing is, build your relationship with the Lord daily. Make your decisions every day of your life to be ready to be in his presence at a moment's notice. 
You ever sit in a waiting room waiting to be called? When I was in the army, it was always hurry up and wait. Hurry up and wait. That was the motto. Hurry up and wait. You'd get there and you'd have to wait and wait. And why did you tell me to come now? I could have came later. Hurry up and wait. And that's what it is with God's word. Is wait. Because we don't know, we don't know when our name is going to be called. Or when the Lord is going to come. You know, too many people in my walk, I've seen healthy people that appeared healthy, looked young, and the next day they were gone. No longer on walking on the face of this earth. And so they didn't think that they were going to go to be with the Lord, but there they were. They were here yesterday. I mean, they were here yesterday, gone today. And so the Bible tells us that we've got to live each day as though we're in the waiting room, waiting to be in the presence of God. And if you're in that waiting room, you're praising him. Oh, Lord, you are glorious. You are wonderful. And I wait on you. I want to know your word. I want you to change me. And so that's what it's all about. Waiting in the presence of the Lord. You know, being unrestrained in your praise and worship of God. And so it says, waiting anxiously. That means with a desire. With a desire. Oh, Lord, I can't wait to be in your presence. And Paul says what? He said, it's better to be with the Lord than with you guys. And he said, but I know I'll be there sooner or later, but it's better that if I'm with you because we can encourage one another. Why should we be with each other? Why, would, why should we look forward to being with each other? Not to wrestle with each other, but to encourage each other. To build each other up in our most holy faith. To encourage each other, as the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But all the more, encourage one another as you see the day approaching. Be in the waiting room. But don't be waiting all by yourself. In the waiting room, while we're waiting, we're building each other up, encouraging each other to look up, to to live today for the Lord. Don't wait till tomorrow. Live today for the Lord. Have you read his word today? Have you prayed to the Lord today? Have you talked to him today? Have you worshipped him today? Have you praised his name today? And so those are the things you encourage yourself. These are not condemnation things. These are joyful things that we want to encourage each other. There's more. There's joy in the presence of the Lord. Huh? Lord doesn't get you to heaven and squeeze lemon juice in your mouth. God pours the oil of joy upon your life. And so when we come into the house of the Lord, when we come to, when we come to greet each other who are believers, we should come with joy in our heart. Looking to say, how can I encourage my brother? Not how can I challenge him or how can I bring him down? How can I build up my brother in my host holy faith? How can I love him? How can I meet his need today? Hallelujah. And it says, waiting anxiously, having mercy on some who are doubting. How many of you know there are people who love the Lord and, and things happen in their lives and they can't understand it and they're doubting? That doesn't mean they don't love the Lord. You can, you can doubt things that are happening in your life and, and not, and still love the Lord. And the Bible says, have mercy, compassion, be compassionate about others and have mercy on those that are doubting. And even some snatching them out of the fire, having mercy with fear. 
But verse 24, because I want to move on here real quick. Verse number 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you to stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. Isn't that encouraging? That is an encouraging verse from the word of God is all encouraging. He is able. What does it mean he's able? He's willing and wanting to preserve you, to keep you. But what does able means that there's a choice that we have to make. And the choice is saying, yes, Lord, I want you to make me ready, preserve me. God is able, but he's listening to that yet for that yes. God is listening for the yes, Lord. God is coming to us saying, I'm able, I'm willing, I'm desirous. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. God is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. What does it mean from falling? He's able in your daily walk to keep you from stumbling. But even if you should stumble, what? He's the glory and the lifter of your head. He picks you up and keeps you from falling away permanently from the Lord. God is able to keep you from falling away from his love, his relationship, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. God takes joy over your life. You know the prodigal son? Some people would not have received the prodigal son back. They'll say, you blew your inheritance, you, 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 and they'll close the door and tell them to go. But that's not what God, thank God he doesn't treat us that way. Or the door would be closed to all of us. But God, when he received the prodigal son home, he ran to him, hugged him, loved on him, brought him into his home and said, prepare the finest for him. There was exceeding joy in the heart of the father. And God, our father, wants to bring us into his presence blameless through Christ through his strength and abilities because he knows we can't do it and he wants to do it with exceeding joy glory with exceeding joy and it says in verse number 25 to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory and majesty dominion and authority and before all time now and forever Amen. I'm going to end here this morning. I thought I was going to go through Revelation, but I'm not. I'm going to end it here. But Jude is telling us that we're in a world, we live in a world that that causes us to contend for our faith. We don't have a choice. Many of us would, would, if we had a choice, would say, I'd rather not fight or wrestle. Why can't we just live in peace? But that's our, that's our heart. It would be nice to be able to live in peace, wouldn't it? But reality is, spiritually, we can never live in peace in this world until we come to God, until we come to Christ. Then the Bible says, He gives us the peace that passeth all understanding to guard what? Our heart and mind by Christ Jesus. And while we have that peace, the Bible says that we must press on. We must press on in our faith. We must fight the good fight of faith. 
because was even though we might not want to fight, we will have to fight. There are days come when you must fight for your faith. No, I will not give in. No, I will believe. I will trust the word of God. No. And God gives you and I, every one of us, he gives us the strength and the ability to be more than conquerors, to contend for our faith. So we don't contend for our faith by our own strength. We contend for our faith by the help and mercy of God, the grace of God, who freely gives us the Holy Spirit, who brings before remembrance everything that Jesus says. And therefore, through God's own help, God, God's supply, He makes us to be contenders, being more than conquerors, that my faith will wax strong. I will go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Why? Because God loves me. Jesus paid a price for me. I am his. And because he paid such a precious price, God the Father has given us the Holy Spirit, the power and anointing of God to be able to fight the good fight of faith, to be more than conquerors in his name, and to say, Father, in your presence is the fullness of joy. No matter what goes on in this world around me, when I look to you, I see joy, knowing that someday... I will be in your presence where there is fullness of joy. And yeah, I've got to fight through the days and times, but you will never leave me. You will never forsake me. You will see me through it all. Hallelujah. God loves you. God loves you. And God is saying, I'm the glory and the lifter of your head. Stand up, my son. Stand up, my daughter. Be strong in the Lord. Be like Joshua. Be of good courage. Be strong. Meditate day and night on the word of the Lord. And you shall make your way prosperous. And you shall have good success. These are. This is the uplifting word of God. So don't let the world. Don't let the world around you bring you down. Because they're on their way down. But you're on your way up. Huh? Like elevators passing. You're going up and somebody else is going down. And it's a choice. You get on the up or down elevator. And so we're on our way up. And this ungodly world who rejects the Lord, rejects the word, rejects the Holy Spirit, they're on their way down. But the Bible says, as they're going down and you're going up, try and tell them, switch elevators. Switch elevators. You don't have to go down. Switch elevators. Get off at the next stop. You know? And so... The Bible tells us to reach out to the world around us with the good news of gospel of Jesus Christ because God gives us all that we need to live for him every day of our lives. That's good news. That's good news. I don't have to do it on my own. God is helping me every step of the way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me this morning as we close in prayer. And uh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.